Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Amen. Well, Glory family, you guys can have a, a seat. It is so good to have each and every one of you here. If you are new with us, my name is Greg McKinney. My wife and I are the lead pastors here at Glory Church. And uh, yes, I got a baby face. That does not mean I'm necessarily a baby. But it's so good to have you. I got four babies of my own. Maybe you are a parent in the room. Uh, we, got, we got twin eight-year-olds. My wife and I, we have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And uh, they're on a different floor in the building. So if you have kids and didn't know if we had children's ministry, we do. Uh, if you love children and want to start serving, uh, we'll have a background check for you. But you can serve. It'd be great to have you. It would. It is so good to have each and every one of you. If you missed the announcements this morning, uh, we are going to stay late after the service and decorate this place. Uh, anyone ever already decorated your house? Show of hands. All of you are the correct people in the room. Um, <laughs> we put up the tree yesterday in my house. Uh, some of you are, are the uh, not until after Thanksgiving people, and there's grace for you. Um, but we will, we will decorate this place before Thanksgiving so that when you come next week, it will be beautified, all right? We got three trees. So if you want to stick around, there is a benefit to, to decorating. Not only do you get to uh, decorate, which is a benefit um, in and of itself, but we also have a lot of pie, all right? So get a, get a slice of pie, and then uh, what, did, what did I say in uh, staff meeting? Get a pie, uh, slice of pie and make Glory Church look fly. There you go. That's, that's as, as rhymy as I can get today. Um, but it is so good to have you. Also, if you heard, uh, we are having our Christmas at Glory. It is on Christmas Eve Eve. Uh, so the Eve before the Eve, right? Or Christmas Adam. Maybe you've heard Adam comes before Eve. So our Christmas service will be the 23rd, and we'd love to have you. We actually have two opportunities. I have found that Christmas is one of the best times to invite people in. And some of you, you have, have had the ask and have had the no, like over and over and over. Invite them to a Christmas Eve Eve service. I mean, no one's doing anything then. Christmas Eve, they may be busy, but you can say, are you doing anything Christmas Adam? And they're like, what? Just come. Come with me. We have two services, though, so I, I expect you guys to make the invites. There's no excuse. I know sometimes you're like, there's pillars in the room. I know. I know there are. But we'll have two services, so there will be more than enough space for your family, your friends, and I'd love to have them. Um, but this morning, as you heard, we are in week three of our Formed series, Formed in the Waiting, and it's been tracking with the life of Joseph. I uh, sort of got vulnerable a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and shared with you that I felt like my life was tracking with the story of Joseph a little bit, uh, just too, too much, um, to where like things just kept happening. And I feel like, God, you're doing something, but why are these things still happening that are, that are hitting your vision, hitting this dream? Like, what is going on? And I, I, I sort of got vulnerable with you guys um, that day. Well, the staff and talking through it, we're like, I think we should go through the series of Joseph as a church. 
like the, the, the study of his life. And so we're in week three of this. If you've missed any of the weeks before, you can find it on our website, The Glory Podcast. I, I encourage you to do so. We, we've tracked from when he was hated by his brothers. Like he gets the award. You think you have bad siblings? He had bad siblings. His 10 older brothers threw him in a pit and sold him to be a slave. I don't know if anyone has experienced that, but he did. Threw him in a pit um, just because he had a dream and he was loved. He was loved by the father, um, their father, a little bit, probably too much. Favoritism was shown to Joseph by his earthly dad. But the blessing of the Lord twisted in his brother's mind to anger and bitterness. So he wound up in a pit. And then if you remember last week, uh, he got promoted from a pit to being bought by, by this man named Potiphar, brought into the house, and there he stayed for about 11 years until Potiphar's wife wanted to get a little uh, closey-closey with him, and he said no and ran, and then Potiphar's wife lied, and he wound up in prison. I mean, this man has struggled, and we've talked the whole time about how I believe that we have a spirit of Yosef, of Joseph. That word, it literally means uh, God will add another. God will increase. He will do it again. He will continue what he promised. Like, that's literally what it means, and so when, when his mom had him, her first son, after years of trying, she declared, he will add another. He will increase. He will do it again, and then the baby, Benjamin, was born later on. And so this spirit of God is not finished yet is in your life. Like, I don't know if you're in a hardship or in a hard place or maybe in the pit or in a palace or in the penthouse or, or in prison. Like whatever you're experiencing right now, the Lord isn't finished yet. He is a finishing God and will finish and end what he started. And so this morning, uh, we are in the prison that's what the whole chapter of chapter 14 is about. And have you guys ever, like, I'll, I'll explain it this way. I, I did so in the huddle, and everyone liked it. It was my test. Uh, have you guys ever seen the, one of these movies in life where you watch it once, and you're done? It's like a one and done. It was too much emotion. It was too heavy to feel. It, you cried like three hours afterwards. You're just one and done. I don't need to deal with it again. For some of you dog lovers, it was like Marley and me. Or growing up, it was like my dog Skip. I'm sorry, you hit a dog with a, 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 like a shovel, I'm out. I can't watch it again. One and done. Maybe some of you, like a walk to remember. I, I was like a little middle schooler when that came out, and I was just crying like, she dies. Like, one and done. Haven't watched it ever since. My mom died when I was in high school. There's a movie called Christmas Shoes. The mom dies. Sorry, one and done. One and done, I'm out. One and done. And those movies that you're just like, I can't feel it anymore. Radio is another one. Ever seen that one? All the cries. Remember me? Anyone ever seen that one? You, you think it's going well, and then it ends. And it was September 11th the whole time, and you didn't know. Yep, I just spoiled it for you, and I cried for like three hours on the toilet. Like, I was just done. Like, yeah. <laughs> My wife's like, why'd you share that? See, I have a problem. When I watch movies... I feel them too much. Like everyone in my family makes fun of me. Everyone who knows me makes fun of me. I call it, I need to decompose. And I could be watching like the Avengers. And if people changed in the movie and their lives were dramatically affected, like I just feel it. And I need like a good hour. That movie, I literally just, I was embarrassed by how much I was crying. So I was sitting in the bathroom just crying like for hours, like one and done. I say all of that because this chapter is a one and done for me. Like, you read it once, and you're done. Like, it, there, if you actually read it, 
and feel it. And like, let what Joseph is going through in the prison sit with you. You're like, too much, one and done. So I was sitting with my small group this past week, uh, Tuesday. If you are part of a small group, uh, it's amazing. If you're not, you should sign up and join one. There you go. But I was sitting with mine, and I said, guys, I just don't want to read it again. I already read it today. I already started it. Like, I just, I don't want to feel it. Because I know if I'm going to teach this properly, I'm going to need to feel it. I'm going to need to wrestle with it. If I teach this properly today, like, I'm going to need to go there, into the prison, my place, that, what the prison meant for me, I'm going to have to go there, and I just, I'm just one and done. I don't want to feel it, but I need to. And so that's sort of what you can expect. Like, we're going there with the feels this morning because I feel like the Lord needs to meet us in that prison because he has something to speak to us in it. Does that sound good? So some of you who are, like, already feeling awkward, I'm sorry, we're going there. So we're going to actually open up and start in Scripture. I'm going to read the whole story. Uh, I'm not going to really pause at all. We're going to read all of chapter 40, which I don't normally do. It will be up here, though. I encourage you, if you have a Bible or a Bible app, open it up. Maybe highlight, underline things. I will, I will encourage you to do that along the way. Um, and then we're going to dive into it. Uh, let, this, let this impact you. The feels. So if you remember, like, Joseph was thrown into the prison And we ended in chapter 39 of it saying, the Lord was with Joseph and he had favor on him. He showed him steadfast love. And now here we are in chapter 40. It says, some time after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker offended the Lord, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officers the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put him, them into custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison where Joseph, too, was confined. The captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he waited on them, and they continued for some time in custody together. Verse 5, one night they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in prison, They each had their own dream, and each dream with its own meaning. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, why are your faces downcast today? Why are you sad? And they said to him, we have had dreams, and there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to him, do not interpretations belong to God? If you want to underline that, underline it. If you want to highlight that, highlight it. Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. Verse 9, so the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, in my dream, and this is a little weird. I don't know if you guys dream dreams, but this is a very, very like specific dream. In my dream... There was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches, and as soon as it budded, it blossoms, blossoms came out, and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, pressed them into the cup, and placed the cup into Pharaoh's hands. And Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation. Those three branches are three days. And within three days, Pharaoh's going to lift you up, lift your head up and restore you to your office. And you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were the cupbearer. But remember me when it is well with you. 
You want to write that, underline that? Remember me, please do me the kindness to make mention of me to Pharaoh and so to get me out of this place. For in fact, I, have, I was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also I have done nothing that they should have put me in the dungeon. It says, when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, the other guy listened in and was like, ooh, I want some of that good stuff. Like, I, I want the good interpretation He told Joseph his dream. I also had a dream. I mean, already the dream just does not sound favorable, so I don't know why he was hoping that the the interpretation would be. But he had a dream, and there were three cake baskets on his head, and in the uppermost basket, there were all sorts of baked foods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered him, this is the interpretation. The three baskets are three days, and within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a pole and the birds will eat the flesh from you. And it says on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all of his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. It says he restored the cupbearer to his cupbearing and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hands, but the chief baker, it says he hanged just as Joseph had interpreted them. But it ends in this, verse 23, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him, forgot him. So I want to start where it ends, forgot him. Like, what do you do when people let you down again and again and again and again? Like, what do you do when your brothers let you down, throw you in a pit, when you, uh, you then your, your employer lets you down and doesn't believe your case, and so you get thrown into prison, what do you do then when the person that you helped out, that you bore your heart to, also lets you down as well? Like, what do you do when you feel like you get overlooked? This word, like, forgot him is heavy. It literally means that to forget something that should be significant, yet you deem it as insignificant. Like Joseph's story should have been significant, but the man forgot him, deemed it as insignificant. It was forgotten. What do you do? I mean, some of you, like this is a little close to home when it feels as if people see you and they deem your plan, your desires, your fears, your wants, your dreams as insignificant. Anyone ever felt that? They, they feel your thoughts, your opinions, your wisdom as insignificant. What do you do? When the things keep turning out worse than you had expected, like I knew in order to uh, teach this well, I was going to have to go there. Can I, can I just say, I felt this. When people keep leaving, when people don't realize how significant things are, and so they just go on their merry way, and you feel left. Anyone ever felt that way? You feel left. I mean, the holiday season is approaching fast, and historically, let me just tell you, the holidays come, there is this expectation of this merriness and joy and peace and together, and we're like all excited about it, but statistically, it is the heightened time in our world where people experience depression. The suicide rates are high. Anxiety comes, and so what do you do when things, once again, go differently than you expected? Like, many of you, have you ever done, like, it's going to be different this year. We're going to sit in it. We're going to experience all the joys. We're going to actually, like, take time and be thankful. We're going to actually dive into the Christmas story in our home. Anyone ever, like, I'm going to be intentional with the family. And then just, 
it's January. And you're like, that didn't happen. It was different than expected. In fact, like all of these things happened. We lost our job. Like the kids didn't, they were, they were, they hated every one of the toys that we gave them. Anyone? You're like, why do we do toys? They like the box better. Like, what is this? And so there's all these things that are different than we expect. What happens when it keeps falling through? You know the series title for this? We titled it Formed in the Waiting. Joseph in this story is being formed in the waiting. But not just how we like to think. Like we, we think uh, Joseph's being formed in the waiting because he's waiting on the Lord to speak or he's waiting to get out of prison or he's waiting uh, to, uh, to, to finally stand and have that dream of him standing upright. And as we could say all these things that he's waiting for. But it's interesting. Did you notice the play on words in this? I loved it. He's waiting in a different way. In fact, it said that in chapter 39 told us at the end that the chief cupbearer um, elevated him, promoted him to taking care of everyone. And so when the cupbearer came, did you get this wording? It says the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he waited on them. And they continued sometime. We, we, we zoom past this, but the word waited there means he served them. He attended them. He ministered to them. In fact, in the waiting, there will be waiting. In the waiting, there will be things that need to be served. In the waiting, there will be people under you in your, um, in your assignment that you're supposed to minister to. And if we don't do the ministering, we're actually not doing the waiting well. And so, like, this is powerful what he's doing right now the, uh, because we like to get embittered, but in the waiting, he's waiting. He's being a waiter. He's serving. He's, he's tending. He's taking care of them. In fact, it would be through this style of waiting that one man, the cupbearer, though forgotten at the end of this, would soon remember. It would be through waiting that he would one day be freed. Now, we're going to dive into this. We're going to start back at the beginning of chapter 40, but I just want to let you know, like, to set the scene, there's a heavy reality check that comes with this chapter. You want to take a note of it? Like, it's a heavy reality check that there will be seasons of life where it feels like our life adds value meaning, direction, explanation to everyone else's journey but ours. There will be seasons of life where it feels as if your life adds value, direction, explanation, meaning, hope to everyone else's journey but yours. There will be seasons of life. Now, when I say it feels as if, because it may feel like that, but is that true in reality? No, not always. But are the feelings valid? You better believe they are. Those feelings are valid. Where it feels like everyone else is being benefited by your service, by your time, by your wisdom, but your own dream, but your own plan, but your own purpose. Now, it feels that way. With Joseph, it looks like it feels that way. And trust me, like, this is real life. <laughs> this is real life. I feel this at times. As a pastor, you feel this at times. Got to have a greater plan for this church. But right now, it just feels like I'm, I'm getting everyone else situated. Like, God, what are you, when are you going to answer these? Like, sometimes, my wife has felt like that. And you stay-at-home moms, I'm helping everyone else. My children declare their meaning, which is good, right? It's good. But God, like, I have a dream, like, is it on the back burner? 
Is it on the back? And so we wrestle with that. Now, are the feelings valid? Are they true? The answer to those questions are a little different. The feelings are valid, but are they always true? No. But we still need to wrestle with the feeling of them. He was being used. And long before that, like, think about it. We think his time of being used was just in prison when he helps these other guys. But no, he was used for 11 years in Potiphar's house. Nothing he gained was his. It literally says that everything Joseph touched was blessed. But it was blessed for the Egyptian's house, not for his. He could have left and nothing was in his name. Nothing was his. And so he could have very easily felt like he was used because he was. Do you remember back in the summer, we were in a series of the spiritual fruit? Um, we, we have a whole, it's called Spirit-Filled. If you want to look at our, our website or on the, the Glory Church podcast, it's called Spirit-Filled. It was so fun to dive into the fruit of the Spirit, that, that these things, love, joy, peace, they're not just like kind things that we do. They're not just, you know, nice attributes, but they make a spiritual awakening in our home when we bring love into the room. Like, it, it changes the spiritual landscaping of our jobs when we bring joy into the room. And so there's something that we miss, but I told you about kindness. The word kind literally means to be usable, to be useful. You remember that? That, like, it literally means to be used by God for the sake of others. That's what kindness is. That's why the world can't do it. Um, that's why there's niceness in the world, but there's always a time when the world says, I don't want to be used anymore. You remember that? The times when I want to say, like, I don't want to be kind to them, I could also say, I don't want to be used by them. Like, that's just reality. Kindness is so real. But did you get at the very beginning, like, the Lord showed steadfast love, covered him with it in the prison. Do you know what steadfast love means? The Hebrew word for that means love and kindness. It was covering Joseph, and then he gifts it. To them. He's being used. He's being used. Now, I'll tell you in these specific seasons of waiting, the world will say, avoid this. But the Lord says, like, I've appointed this. And I need you to see the difference. The Lord will say, avoid this. You need to focus on you. You need to focus on you. This is your plan. This is your job. This is your money. Like, you need to focus on you. The world says, avoid the feeling of being used by people. And I get it. There's times when the, the use turns to abuse and the, there's wisdom in it. But in the season of waiting, where you've been appointed to wait, and now while you wait, there's actual serving to do, the world would say, avoid that. You need to get your break. And the Lord's like, no, I've appointed this season of waiting to now be serving so that your break would come through this, through this. In fact, like, if I could just tell you, this whole chapter, chapter 40, says our direction will come through the waiting. Your direction will come through the waiting. And not just waiting, like twiddling your thumbs waiting. Waiting like picking up the towel and start cleaning around you. The waiting of, of realizing what you've been appointed, what, where your assignment is right now, and tending the souls that are in it. When you serve and minister now while you wait, that actually will, your direction will come through it. It will. 
But can we all just, the feeling of that is really heavy. Like in the prison, no one wants to stand in the prison just hoping one day that the work that you do in the prison will come to pass good. Like it's a hard place to be. But we are being formed in the waiting. The tending, the serving, the mending, the ministering, the caring. God's forming you while you show loving kindness. Sure, it doesn't happen instantly, but God will use Joseph's work. But I just want to say, what is it that Joseph was appointed to tend? The chapter starts with these two guys having dreams, right? And we're going to go back. Two guys having dreams, and they dreamed these crazy dreams, and they were both in the same night, but two different dreams, right? And two different meanings attached to the dreams. But did you realize that they both had the same reaction? They were both downcast. They were both afraid. They were both worried. It, was, it led them to confusion. In fact, like if I could just make this make sense, they had vision without meaning. They had experienced dreams without any direction. They had now God-given promises. One was a really good promise and the other was death, but without any purpose. Now, I say this because these two men personify the fallen world around us. And I don't think we, we realize this. These two men personify the world around us. Did you know that the world, you have men and women with God's fingerprint on them, on them because he created them, not in them. We know. But they have God-sized dreams, but no direction, and so it leads to chaos. And we don't seem to care. We have, the people have God-sized visions, and they do, but without meaning, it leads to confusion or arrogance or mess up and brokenness. The world around us, like they have God-spoken promises, but without any purpose attached to it, it turns to arrogance and brokenness and pain. Like these two men make up what they feel is a directionless life, a meaningless life. Now I have this vision but there's no purpose. And I say all of that because there's one man who took notice of it. Joseph. He, had, he saw them, and like Jesus said, when he saw the men, the people, who looked like sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion, Joseph looks at them, sees their downcast face, them living without meaning or direction, and he has compassion on them. He has compassion, and so he asks them, he notices their need. He notices it. Now, I can often get bitter in this place. Anyone else? Like, I can also often get bitter in this place when everyone around me is needy. Um, I can get bitter in this place when everyone around me doesn't seem to have direction. I can get bitter in this place when I start noticing the downcast faces of others. And I, I get bitter, and I'm like, God, why? And I can forget the why. And I'm like, why do I just have to help other people? not be bitter anymore, and I'm the one that's bitter. Like, why am I just, all of these people who seem to not know their direction, like, why do I have to be present to why am I seeing it? And what we are doing when we're there is we are lacking perspective because there is a reality that you have been gifted. There's a reality that you have been gifted. In fact, what if we were to look at this encounter through the lens of Joseph being forgotten? Often we do. We already expect that people will forget us, that nothing good will come from it, and so we don't lean in. But that's not the reality. These men are downcast, and he has an assignment to do. 
And so he's not looking at it in the perspective of what could happen. He's coming from the perspective of what is happening. God is with him. God has remembered him. God has shown loving kindness. And so everything he gives is from that reality. It is from that reality. In fact, he says this to them. Do you remember they, had the inter- they, they have the sadness, they give the dreams, and he says, do not interpretations belong to God. Please tell me your dreams. You remember I told you to highlight that? It, it means don't all explanations for things, for problems, for confusions, don't all like meaning, every bit of value, it belongs to God. Like I know him, tell me what your dream is and I'll ask him. Like it's that simple. All explanation. Now, this is a little aside, but I do have to tell you, like, we often look at Joseph and ask, how can you have so much faith? I think that this was one of those moments where, you know, when you say something and you're really talking to yourself, but you're also helping other people, but you're like, ooh, that was, I needed to hear that. I think he needed to hear this too. I think this is something that Joseph always remembered, that every encounter, every moment, every snapshot of my life, every place that I'm in, the interpretation does not belong to me. The interpretation doesn't belong to my overseers. The the interpretation of what's happening to me belongs to God. And so I'm constantly going to ask him. Does this make sense? Like this is a huge thing that he's now showing. He believes this truth bomb. That all interpretations, and that's why I said, though you feel, I need you to go back to the feeling, though you feel like everyone else in your life is getting benefited from you except your own purpose, when you feel that way, you got to bring it back to the one who's supposed to interpret it. You're not interpreting this. God is. And in God's interpretation, this cupbearer is going to speak Joseph's name one day soon. It won't be in the timing that, that he wanted, but one day he will. You see, interpretations of every event belongs to God. It belongs to God. And so through Joseph and through the Lord's guidance, Joseph interprets these dreams, right? One was good and one was not so good. But in performing that care and waiting on them, Joseph planted the seed to his freedom, And so I just like back and forth, we can talk through this over and over, but he cared. He did. You remember like New Testament talks about the greatest love is this, a man, a brother uh, laying down his life for another one, for the sake of a brother, for the sake of his brother. That's scripture. Joseph is literally laying down his right, his plan, his dream in the moment to care and tend for the dream of another. Like, this is huge. He's showing love. Now, hear me as we get into this and in this. Like, this isn't a self-deprecating love found in the waiting. And some of you have been doing that. This is a God-honoring love found in the waiting. Some of you have been waiting on the Lord for a while. And so every bit of work you do has become more self-deprecating than God-honoring. And it's because self-deprecating love fuels this bitterness. Self-deprecating love, it fuels, if you want to put that up, it fuels burnout. And it fuels pride. Like, think about this. Like, self-deprecating love, it, it believes they need me. So I can't have what I want or what I'm called to do because right now they need me. 
And so I have to do it. Self-deprecating love is, okay, I'll do it. And it has this bitterness attached to it. The burnout will happen. And many of you, you have not done your point, your, your purpose in the church and the kingdom because you have approached your promises with self-deprecating love and burnout has happened. Or pride, right? They need me. They need me. I have to do this. I have to fill in that place. That's not waiting on the promises of God. That's not waiting. That would be like Joseph saying, yeah, like, I, I'll do it. Fine. Tell me your dreams. I know. I know what they'll be. Like, I can interpret them. No, he does the other. He's God-honoring love. In fact, if you want to write this down, in opposition, God-honoring love, it fuels hope. You want to know why you don't have hope? Because you don't keep putting things, bringing them back to the Lord in your life. Like he says, God interprets dreams. Tell me it and I'll bring it to him. If you remember week one, what did I tell you about Joseph? He stewarded the wicked things well. And it shows that he will steward the blessed things well. Everything Joseph saw, he would always bring back to God. This is God-honoring love, and that feels hope because it's not going to end with me. So as you wait on people, your job is to constantly point them to the Father. It's, it's not they need me. It's they need him. They need him. And so as I wait for him to, to reveal things to me, my, the reality is I'm surrounded by people who are meaningless, who have no direction, and they need him. That's easy for me to do. I, tell me your problem. I'll direct it to him. Like, I, I, I have an endless supply of favor because the Lord is with me. And so that's, it, it does not spur on bitterness. It gives you hope. It does not spur on uh, this, this burnout. It spurs on change. And it might be small. But what I do know is that in the past year, things have not turned out like I expected for Glory Church. They haven't. But as I've constantly tried to honor the Lord in love, like I've seen him change things, change people, bring healing and direction. And what you don't realize is your direction is more intimately connected with my direction because we are brothers. We're, we're brothers. We are family. As you excel in the kingdom, my plan, like God's purpose for me, because mine is not individualized. No, it is as God gets glory through this church, we all are made like him. And so, like, there's, hope, there's dependence then on the Lord. That's what God-honoring love looks like. So in the wait, like, I'm asking you to check your heart right now. Check it. Has there been bitterness while you wait for God to do that thing? Has there been burnout while you've been waiting for God to do that thing? Has there been some pride while you wait for God to do that thing? And you actually are getting angry about who's in your assignment right now? You're getting frustrated about who's around you right now? You're ready for just that next break with new people? Like, but your job right now is to be formed in the waiting. So serve, tend, because you have endless favor from the Lord to pro provide kindness. That's where your direction will come. Through the waiting, you have to check your heart. You have to check your heart. And so I, I, I want to end exactly where we began because the honest fact is that Joseph, the, this is the only time we see him ever tell his story. 
and he tells it to the cupbearer in prison. Like, just brothers. I've now helped you. Like, I'm not expecting anything, but, like, I was wronged. Things have not turned out like they were. I, I'm not supposed to be here. Like, I'm away from home. I want to see my dad again. Like, I, I'm not, this is not my land. I don't belong here. When you get out, will you just show me, did you notice the word kindness? The same thing, it's that same word that the Lord was covering him. It is steadfast love in Hebrew. Will you show me that? He just asked, like, as a brother, can you do that? Then he doesn't. And so the story ends with Joseph being alone, being forgotten, and there's no steadfast love shown toward him. And now, wait, we could interpret it that way. But all the interpretation belongs to God. Because God already set the scene. And this is where I want to end. Band, you guys can come on out because I just need to set the scene for you guys as we end this morning. God already set the scene for the prison at the end of chapter 39. He said, I was with Joseph. Do y'all remember? I was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph in the prison. And the Lord showed him loving kindness. The Lord remembered him. So in the end of 40, when we see that Joseph was alone and forgotten and no loving kindness, who gets the interpretation for this? Do we? Or does the Lord, who's already spoken? So I can just tell you very clearly, the Lord has already spoken on your life. I will forever be with you. He's already said, where you go, I've already been, and I will be there again with you. He's already spoken, I will make changes in your life. I am redeeming you. You are my son, my daughter. As, as Jeremy already said, you have been bought with a price. You have been made new. He's already made those coverings, those claims. Like he's already spoke that truth. And so right now where you're at, who gets to interpret your moment? The Lord who's already spoken in chapter 39 or the final thought you just had about your, your life right now? Who gets to interpret it? The Lord who's already spoken. Or your final thought. I am insignificant. Nothing I do matters. It just keeps getting undone. It just nothing is good is happening. Who gets to interpret? The Lord or you? Father, right now, I just pray that your immense love would cover this place and not in a way that's, that's new. God, you've already been doing it, but in a way that we are aware of it and so glorify you for it. God, I pray for the heart in the room that has been waiting for years, that has been waiting for years, that doesn't even know how to dream again because what they thought when they first know knew you and you claimed something on them. They knew that they were not either ready or they weren't, uh, they didn't have the means yet, but they were so fired up back then. But God, life has happened. Pits, prison, being forgotten. Children, even blessings from you that we now tend, Lord. Remind us that this waiting is not for naught that there is an assignment, there are people to serve, 
There are opportunities that you've given us to give meaning to other people. There are ways that we can be used by you. Form us in the waiting. All interpretations of my today belong to you, God. We worship you. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.